When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. On the Brown Bears Sports Network from Learfield IMG College, welcome to the Brown Bears Podcast. Now, here's your host, Scott Cordishi. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of our Brown Bears Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Cordishi. Glad you could join us. The Brown Bears Podcast brought to you each week by BSN Sports, official uniform and apparel provider for Brown University Athletics and Recreation. And a reminder, you can hear our Brown Bears Podcast each and every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon Music, it is everywhere. And this week, it gives us great pleasure to welcome to the podcast the former Associate Dean of Student Services here at Brown. We know her well here in athletics as the Senior Associate Athletic Director for Student Athlete Services, Carolyn Norris. Carolyn, how you doing? Good, Scott. How are you? Thank you I'm for doing, uh, having me today. Well, I'm doing great. Thank you for joining us. And congratulations on your retirement. Yes, it's uh, it's been a Seems like a long run, but a short run in, in overall, when you really look at something that you really enjoy doing, time flies unbelievably fast. I was a you know senior at UConn in 83, and I'm still here. So I had a 38 years. I think I probably sat in every office, played, pre- played in practice on every field, and has really watched uh, not just the athletic department evolve, but the university. And how did you know it was time to retire? What, 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 uh, was there something in your head that just said, you know what, now is a good time? You know, I, I went through some things personally, losing my mom, my dad, I lost a nephew to suicide. Um, then we had COVID, dropped the sports, no sports, Jack left. And I just think it was a, a period for me to, to reset. Uh, I've talked a lot about this with different alums. And I think if COVID hadn't happened, I probably would still grinding um, in a good way. You know, my, my work was, whether it was in athletics or in the student support area, it was 24 seven. And, you know, I always say kids don't live nine to five. The work I was doing was 11 to three, four o'clock in the morning and not just with students and 
not just with specifically student athletes, all students, coaches, administrators. And at some point, something's got to give. And I was just at a point like, you know what? I think a new voice, a different vision, you know, having a new athletic director come in, I always think change is good uh, in a positive way. I think Grace will add a lot to our department and also our university being, you know, she's been, been a Brown grad. So she has a fire in her belly for Brown and to leave the job she had at Penn and the great job that she did at Penn and at Chicago to Brown, we're, we're fortunate to have her. And I'm, I'm thrilled. Never in my day did I think I would see a woman president of our university or um, a woman AD. So I'm, I'm thrilled with that aspect as, as we've evolved. And I think Brown, regardless of gender specific, as far as the AD, we found the right people. Absolutely. So are you ready to take a trip down memory lane? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sure. Okay. So you're a native of Wakefield, Rhode Island. You went to South Kingstown High School, correct? Yes, it is. All stater in field hockey and volleyball? Yes, yes. And then you went to the University of Connecticut. First of all, how'd you wind up there? I would imagine you probably had choices. And, and why did you decide on UConn? Yeah, the, at the time, it was a little, uh, you know, somewhat pre-Title IX when I was first going through things. I was a good athlete coming out of South Kingstown, played two or three sports. My dad was a baseball coach at university, and honestly, um, I could go to UConn for the same price that I could go to URI at that time. You, there was a New England reciprocal program, so that's what I did. And then my, my junior year at UConn, I got money. Um, I think it was $800 at the time. And then my senior year, I got a full ride to UConn. So I kind of landed with that. My dad was a baseball co coach with Andy Baylock, and um, so they kind of helped me through all that. You were a four-year letter winner at UConn in field hockey, ice hockey, and lacrosse. Yes. I, I can't imagine today many student-athletes doing two sports, much less three. How did you manage to do three sports and take care of the academic side of things at the same time? Yeah, at that time, you didn't have an off-season. So it's still kind of like high school a little bit. You bounce from season to season. Yeah. Um, but then as, you know, obviously playing on a team that won a national championship, our off season was playing indoors a little bit, but our coach was of the mindset, as long as we were doing something and we were staying fit, it wasn't as sports specific as it is now. And there weren't the camp, they, there were some camps, but it wasn't like the club system now. And if you're not on this team and that team coach is not going to look for you. And there wasn't the, the money in women's athletics for coaches to go out and look at kids as there is now and the uniforms and the gear and, and the high schools weren't as involved as they are now. And I think that a big part of this, and you know, you'll hear this to nauseam is at, at some point the dads were starting to have daughters and then the daughters played on teams and then they wanted their kids to play on teams. So I've seen that evolve with my own players. Like I always said, I got to get out of here before one of my kids have a, has a child that comes and plays. And that, that has happened on a few different teams, which has been, <laughs> fun to watch and to listen to them as a parent and as a former athlete. So you brought up a great point. And I agree. So I graduated from high school in 85 and college in 89, but it was the same when I was in high school. I played football in the fall, basketball in the winter, baseball in the spring. That's what you did. There wasn't a lot of that specialization, playing the same sport year round, the AAU culture. I almost feel like we need to get back to that because I feel like there's a certain amount of burnout going on with kids these days. Would you agree with that? I do agree. And, and I felt I loved what I did, but I, I was also a very good athlete that I could play three sports. And nowadays, if you don't specialize, there's going to be someone in the offseason that's going to pass you up, unless you're like a Tara Mounsey or a Suzanne Bailey or a Kia McNeil or a Brittany. Um, those kids, those people are a dime a dozen. But I do think 
Um, we're losing, we're losing kids and, you know, some kids get a sour taste in their mouth about athletics because they're not the starter. They're not doing everything, but you know, there is a place for everyone and, and with the club systems and the intramurals. And I think it's got overly concerned. Everyone's overly concerned with playing time and where their kids are. And, um, I'm glad I am out of the coaching scene for sure. Cause I, I hear it through my, not just my colleagues at Brown, but across the country, it is, it's a tough business right now for sure. You mentioned winning a national championship. You won the field hockey national title at UConn in 1981. What was that like? Well, you know, it, it almost had a, a regional feel because it was we won it at the University of Connecticut. So when we started the season, we were like, we're in it because we're not going to be the ball girls at this game. And, you know, we I think Old Dominion was in it, UMass, and I think Long Beach was here. So um, it was really exciting. The campus really embraced it. The, the other students really embraced it. It was interesting. And um, when you really look back, it's the first championship for women in the history of the NCA and the first championship for women at UConn. And I was at a dinner with Gino Oriyama and they were, everybody's running around him and we all went up to him and like, we were the first, you know, and they were the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, whatever. And he got the biggest kick out of that. So um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, I don't, we didn't real, you know, you hear people say you don't realize it at the time, but I kind of knew because of my dad being in athletics, he was like, Carol, this is a big deal. And I'm like, dad, we're just playing UMass. And he goes, no, this is, this is going to alter your trajectory for the rest of your life. And he was right. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Gino Oriam. It's funny when I was at Syracuse and I, I worked for the student radio station, I broadcast Syracuse men's and women's basketball games. And we played a double header against UConn at the Hartford Civic Center. And this is when Gino Oriama had just started out at UConn. And I tell people today, I knew Gino Oriama before he was Gino Oriama. You know right, what I mean? And right. what, it's amazing when you consider what he's done there and what Jim Calhoun did with the men's basketball program. Right. Just incredible. Right. It's uh, and it's interesting because we, we obviously I follow UConn sports and the, the men and the women's team. And every year they make the runs. All my teammates are on the phone because we know what it feels like. And we went back this fall and I was fortunate to be able to go. If I was working, I wouldn't be able to go. They celebrated our 40 year uh, anniversary team of our national championship. And, you know, to go back and walk, some things are the same and some things aren't. And uh, it was interesting, you know, they honored us at halftime of one of the field hockey games. They had, they had our footage up on the, the video board, which is pretty funny. And what I thought was interesting, the Harvard kid, and ultimately they were playing Harvard that day, which was ironic for me. And both teams were paying attention. They clapped. It was just very refreshing in this day and age. It was really cool. Yeah. So we, the, the year after you won the national title, you captained the team your senior year and you made it back to the national championship game. Is that correct? Yeah. And I think that's, that game is the one that probably bugs me the most. You know, um, I was a captain that year and I always stayed, even the kids that coach now, that's something no one can ever take away from me. That's an honor. Uh, it's a, not a popularity contest. You know, ours was voted on by our team. Coaches are always going to change it if they want it, if they don't like who the captains are. Um, and we were up 2-0 and we lost 3-2 to Old Dominion. And then Old Dominion made a uh, you know three-year run of winning the national championship. And then UConn came back two or three years. But uh, yeah, that that one was at uh, Temple. So, But we were up 2-0. And you know, um, we're playing against people that are Olympians. And, and when the Olympics came around in Atlanta, the whole team was people that I played against in college that become your friends and, and really become your family because you're with them all the time. Why is it that the losses, because I'm the same way, by the way, why yeah. is it that the losses are the ones we that stick with us and we remember the most? We, yeah, we look I, back I, and we say, could have, would have, should, if I did this or if we did that, it would have been different. I think because if you're, I wouldn't say a perfectionist, but if you're competitive, 
you want to know why and you want to do it again and you want to get you you'll always want one more game even when this even when we won a national championship we wanted to keep playing and that's what i when i was just talking with kia about the run they're making because i was with them when they went down to florida state two years ago and obviously i've followed her and become very good friends with her as you know you have to have a professional relationship with people and you have to have a personal relationship with people as an administrator and um, just making that run and just enjoying because now it's one and done. So I think there's an added pressure, there's an added hype, but it's still the game when it comes down to it. So I think, you know, as I said, you always want one more, regardless of where you end it, whether your team is one and six in the league or you're seven and oh. So you were a coach and I want to get into your coaching career here at Brown before administration, but you bring up Kia's name. What is it about her that has allowed her to build such a, such a successful program right away? Well, I think Kia was the best of the best as an athlete. She had a tremendous career as a player at BC and she went overseas, paid her dues. I think she comes from a great family. She has great values. She has great work ethic. She understands people and she has that silent presence, which I think they kind of look at her like, whoa, what's Kia thinking? You know, she's not a big talker. Um, but she is a presence. When I, when I go to the games, um, you know, your eye needs to go to her and the best kid on the team. So your eye or best two kids. So you, you're really going to go to her, Ava, Brittany, and the defense, the whole defense as a presence. Um, but I think she has, is a student of the game. I think she has the right temperament. I'm sure inside she heard her stomach's flipping. Um, but she has, she, she was able to exude that ex confidence to her team. And I always say, if I could have done anything different or a couple of things different, I would have froze confidence and made make students eat it because it's all how kids feel about themselves. Yep. You know, the first couple of practices I watched and then the games, like you watch her kids, they are laser focused. And then you look at the kids on the sidelines, they're not fooling around. They're focused, but they're enjoying themselves and having a really good time with it. So in 1983, right out of UConn, you come to Brown as an assistant field hockey coach, a, a role you served in for about 10 years. First of all, how'd you wind up here at Brown right out of school? The head coach at the time, Julie Dixon, uh, came up to me after we played uh, Brown in field hockey when I was at UConn and said, what are you doing next year? And I was on a run for a national championship. So I was just thinking field hockey and fun in school and so forth. And I was just like, Oh yeah. Thank you. That, you know, I was polite. And then my coach came up to me. She said, you know, the Carol, that's something you should really look into. You know, you're from Rhode Island and, and that, that was it. And my first season, I made a thousand dollars. I was talking, I was actually talking to Key about this, <laughs> made a thousand dollars. And, but I, she goes, how'd you do it? And I said, I worked in my uncle's business downtown. I did camps. I went to grad school. I don't know how I did it. You know, the more you make, the less you have, I guess, as they say. Yeah. But uh, Julie brought me here and, um, you know, I did JV and worked my way up. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think if looking back, I think I did more coaching as an associate head and an assistant than I did as a head. As a head, you're just, you're more or less overseeing things. Yeah. And, but you are coaching, but it's not the nuts and bolts of it. I love the recruiting. I love going all over the country to watch kids play. I had a brand because I had played at UConn. So that was a foot, that was a you know, a foot in the door. And after that, I had to prove myself. I can relate to not making much right out of college. My first job in radio, full time, I think my salary was somewhere around like 15, 16,000. And my father said, I sent you to four years of college to make $15,000 a year. But like you said, I found side jobs. I bartended a couple of days a week. I did traffic reports in Boston, WBZ. You just do what you can until you work yeah. your way up. 
and I'll sound like an old person right now or old school, but I dealing with, you know, hiring coaches and assistants, it's a whole different ball game. Now. Kids yeah. want more money. They want benefits. They want time off. Uh, it's very, very different to me, which it, it's, I think it's healthier. I really yeah. do. Um, you know, I never wanted to have a, an assistant on my staff that didn't have health benefits. So what did I do? I paid for them out of my own pocket. Wow. Um, and that's what I would do because I, I didn't, I didn't want that on my clock. We're fortunate now, mostly everybody's taken care of. So 10 years as an assistant, uh, or 10 years uh, coaching field hockey, and then you become the head women's lacrosse coach, a role you served for six years. You had five winning seasons. Tell me about that decision to transfer to from field hockey to lax. Yeah, I think uh, John Perry, uh, he, I can't remember if it was John Perry or Dave Roach at the time, had asked if I would consider, I think it was Dave. And I was like, sure, I played, you know, it was, it was more club at UConn, it wasn't varsity yet, but I played, we played at a pretty decent level. And I brought in some really good assistants, Lisa Miller, um, who actually started the Syracuse, after Brown, she started the Syracuse's women's program, and then she went to Harvard. I had Kelly Amonti as was one of my assistants, who was the best player in the country at the time she was at Maryland. So I had some good contacts within the sport. So I kind of let them do the, the, uh, the skill part of it. And I could do the bigger picture. Lacrosse was a great game. I learned from Carol Kleinfelder who was at Harvard and I just really studied the game and, and just enjoyed it. And for me, it was a way to stay at Brown because we didn't do much in the off season then. Um, uh, so I got to fill that. So I did both for a while. And then um, I think I went back to, back to lacrosse and then back, then the field hockey job opened up and I'm like, this is where I want to really be. Yeah, so in 1998, you became the head coach for field hockey here. And then in 99, you won the Ivy championship. What was that like? And, and do you get that same adrenaline rush winning a championship, you know, as a coach, as you do as a player? Yeah, I was, I was probably more emotionally excited about winning it as a coach. Cause I just knew what it took. And when I first, we first got here, the kids were like, well, we don't win away. We only, we, we only win when we're at home. I'd lost two games in four years or something like that. I'm like, oh no, we went home and we went away. And once I, uh, you know, understood the different um, pressures that the kids had on them with school and travel, and I figured that out, uh, we were onto something and we had blue collar kids that just worked and just loved to play the game. And, um, that was a lot, a lot of fun. And, you know, I was fortunate to have Tara Monsey step into my step on the field. And I remember her calling me and said, could I come out for the team? And I saw her walking across the parking lot and I, I'd seen her play ice hockey, but I hadn't seen her uh, in street clothes. And I was like, Oh my God. I said, yeah. I said, you are never coming off the field. Here's the ball. Do what you want. And she made everybody around her better, you know, and I think Tara had played in high school and she was just coming off the Olympics in Nagano. Yep. And I said to her, how are you going to go from a gold medal game to Brown field hockey? And I'm the field hockey head coach. And she says, I just love to play the game. And it was, it was great. And, you know, she was very unorthodox. She could switch her hands. And I think she really enjoyed playing field hockey. And Tara only played uh, two years her, in her senior year. She was a top four player in the country. She was up for the Broderick for field hockey. Yeah. And she, I remember coming back on the bus from, with her and Cornell and we would talk and she said, I think I, I think I'm going to play field hockey and I, I don't know if I'm going to play ice hockey anymore. I said, Oh no, 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 you're going to continue. And then, you know, and then she did the run for Salt Lake and they won the silver. And I was thinking, how oh, God, what am I going to say to her? She won the silver and she came into my office. I said, you doing okay. And she said, yeah, she goes, Karen, I look better in silver. And so she took, she took it off of me. And th those are true, true champions, which is yep. really cool. So 
I was very, very fortunate. And, and, you know, she put us on the map for sure. Yeah, I mean, two champions too. It's just what you said. There, there's a lot of great athletes that have superior talent, but the true champions are the ones that make their teammates better. And you, you said that about her and that, that's a gift. Not, not a lot of great athletes have that ability, but the true great ones, they do make those around them better, don't they? Yeah, she and she would have the kids that she met on that team, she would have never met unless she played on that team. And those are some of her lifelong friends right now. And kids that, uh, you know, probably came up to Tara's hip, the size of some of these kids that play field hockey, because, you know, there's some there's some shorty shorts that play field hockey. Yeah. So it was it was a lot of and it was fun. It was easy. And, and we talked with my other friends and we're like, coaching used to be fun and easy. And it, you have to make it that way. You can make it as difficult as you want. So when and why did you make the move from coaching into athletic administration? Well, I remember I was in preseason and I got a call from Mike Goldberger at the time. And he said, you know, could, could you meet with me? And Goldie, Goldie, you know, Goldie, I, I'm like, is something wrong? Are we okay? Um, Cause I would see him casually. His son, Kevin was a part of my program as, as our manager for yep. many years. Uh, we had Kevin before men's lacrosse did. And I always tell people that. So Kev was our lucky charm. And I, you know, I grew up with their family. I grew up with Brian and Kathy and, and Mike. And he said, I'm, I'm, I want you to think about getting into administration. And I was just like, I'm thinking, all right. And I kind of thought about it. I said, you know, before the parents want me out, the kids want me out, something blows up because it was just starting to turn with things. Um, this might be a good way for me to move on. And I'd kind of done what I wanted to do. I had been offered the UConn field hockey job and a couple other jobs when I was at Brown and I always went and interviewed and always came back. There was something drawing me back to the school. And um, I, I just took a leap of faith. Goldie's a tremendous person. And he said, I, I would like you to help me with the, with the administrative part of it. And it, it was a great move. And I did that last season. And, you know, I knew the whole season was my last season, but nobody else knew but me. So that was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's how that kind of all went down. And then as they say, the rest is history. And I have to say, um, I tell the coaches now, I said, coaching is a joke compared to what I did administratively. And I've done it both. Yeah. Because it, as a coach, you're one piece you're worried about all the time. Right. Administratively, it is a, just a tremendous, it's, it's like a corporation. And the fact I always said to Goldie, I said, the fact that when I watched how things work behind the scenes, the fact that the buses showed up, the kids had their stuff on, and the officials were there, I was shocked because I just knew what it took to do it for 38 sports. Yep. Just constant. And and in the Ivies, you got to be ready to help unload a bus and to, you know, put the cages on the field. You're not, we're not sitting there as administrators saying, oh, delegating people what to do. You don't have the bodies. Right. You know, and that's why I'm I'm empowered with the, you know, hopefully the influx of finances and people and the support that Grace is going to get um, to move us forward. And, and what, but what I, on the same token, I always say, it's not like the rest of the league is saying, Oh, let's let Brown catch up. They're moving forward. So we, we got to giddy up and go. And I think um, having, you know, I've been through, I don't know, six or seven presidents, six or seven ADs. Uh, President Paxson is very supportive of athletics, but she also likes to win. And, yep. But she wants it. She wants it done the right way, and right. Uh, I think that's just awesome to get an Ivy president. I remember when she was first coming to games and you know talking with people. Everybody's kind of like, "Why is she here?" Uh, and but it's important for her to be visible for, for the kids for her to see them. 
Absolutely. I, I think every student athlete and coach knows that President Paxson wants athletics to do well and win and compete for championships. And I think that's why all the moves that have been made have been made. And I think it's great. I, I really. And she, yeah. And she explains it as we want to have the best engineering department. We want to have the best right? philosophy department and people can relate to that and donors can relate to that, yep. you know, which is, which is great. So when you look back, I mean, you dealt with student athletes uh, individually, personally, you dealt with coaches, you were a sport administrator. What are some of your fondest memories um, in terms of your years in administration? Yeah, the years of administration, it was actually seeing it come together, like and not just the wins, obviously, you know, when Kia had the nice run, when Lars had the nice run in the, the final four, working with sports other than field hockey and lacrosse was great because I got to supervise, you know, water polo, wrestling, volleyball, uh, and women's crew. And I want to mention them because I think they are not somewhat of the back burner, but what a tremendous run the Murphys have had national championships in an Ivy League school. Um, to be a part of that, to go to those national championships has been a real pleasure for me to get to learn that sport. Um, and also very, very difficult training regimen and something that our university should be very proud of. I don't know how many in a row they've been there, but that'll, I can honestly say that'll never be duplicated. So I want to say that is, is definitely one of the highs for me being able to be involved with them from an administrative standpoint. But just seeing students evolve and being able to do the day-to-day, -day, you know, mental health awareness and leadership and academic enrichment are things that are near and dear to my heart. And I used to feel sometimes like I was the conscious of the department, like, no, this is not in the best interest of the student, or yes, this is what the coach would want. Um, but it was helping people manage uh, issues. Really, that's what I did. I was a problem solver. And, it, you know, I coaching is a calling and it was very instinctive for me. Um, but you just, I just transported those, those skills to the coaches and I coached the coaches. They would come in my office, they'd be worked up about something. And I'm like, the first thing they'd say is, well, you know what I'm talking about. I said, I do. So then why are we talking about it? You know, um, and I had to have some hard conversations with some very close friends of mine uh, and, and colleagues. And ultimately some people didn't make it. And, but if, you know, I'm all about treating people with respect. And I think sometimes athletics has become a little too transactional. And there isn't as much empathy and the people part to it. And I think that's somewhat what we've lost in the era of social media and yep. the technology piece. And that's where I came in. And um, I say to everybody every day, don't text a person in the office next to you. Go up and talk to them. Right. Um, and kindness doesn't cost a penny. And, and people say, well, you, you, know, you were successful and this and that. I vested in people not knowing that they would vest back in me. Right. And, and people say, well, what, what do you mean by that? That's going to a funeral. That's knowing that the kid's cat died that day. You, you have some empathy right. or their shoes are too tight or whatever it is. Um, so I tried to instill that in our coaches and, um, that, and also that Rome wasn't built in the day, but there's a different pressure and there's a different pressure from when I was coaching, you know, um, with the influx of the, all this money in Title IX, now women are getting fired and, and losing their jobs where before that wasn't happening. So there's a different accountability. So I think there's a different seriousness to all of it. We talked about Kia and the success of our women's soccer program. And this weekend, they'll be hosting St. John's in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. And uh, I'm sure you're thrilled for Ahin Kim and, as well yes. as women's volleyball. They won an Ivy title. You know, I knew when we hired him a few years ago, I said, this guy 
he's going to build something here. You just had that feeling about him. And I, I think he's even maybe a year ahead of, of schedule, if you will. But what a terrific yeah, I think he's I think he's, you know, I was a part of the hire with a hen. And um, I've spent a lot of time talking with him in the early part. He was a bit puzzled trying to figure out how Brown works, as most coaches are when they first come in. But he's a very good coach. He works extremely hard. He knows talent, obviously, with the rookie of the year that he has this year. And his, he does, his kids play with a sense of purpose and they're aggressive and they're a lot of fun. Um, and I think we took a leap of faith with, with a hen and, uh, you know, coming from American, it's a strong academic school. Um, but I think the things were a lot different when he first got here and he's adapted, he's put himself out there and he's, he's learned the culture of Brown and he'd, he'd even say this is a couple years early. And when you have a team that is, you know, sophomores and freshmen and maybe one junior and one or two seniors, he's gone through some bumps on the way to get to evolve to where he is. Sure. But he's come out on the other side, which I'm thrilled about because that's it, very difficult. What he did is extremely difficult. All and right. it doesn't happen. You know, usually we say, oh, you got to give a coach four or five years. You know, he's done it in th two or, you know, three or four years. All right. So my good friend and yours, John Anderson, who broadcast oh. Brown football games with me on the radio, <laughs> He wouldn't give me any dirt on you, Carolyn. I, I tried and he said, not a chance. It's not going to happen. But he did tell me a little story when when he was dating Marie. Uh, I think he dropped her off at her home in Narragansett and he just assumed he'd be able to stay overnight. And her father said, absolutely not. Not going to happen. Uh, but I guess he did drive to Wakefield and stay at your mom's. He had never met yes. your mom. Didn't know where Wakefield was because he lived up yeah. here in Barrington. Yep. So, yeah. uh, but uh, he's he, uh, a good man. Yeah, John's a cousin of mine. His 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 wife Marie is my first cousin. Yep. And Marie's dad and my mom were brother and sister. And he came to the house, and um, my mother made him dinner and made him feel welcomed. And and that is that is a true story. But he did tell he did tell me to ask you about. He said that you are a good driver and you get him to places in one piece. Because I know he likes to put the pedal to the metal when you drive. He does. So whenever we go on a football road trip, I drive to the destination and he drives home. <laughs> and and home. we get each other where we need to go as quickly as we can. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's one piece for me is a lot of my family has gone to Brown. And, and my uncle Dick Carolyn started the Sports Foundation with Archikowski. And my uncle Frank, his brother, also yeah. uh, went to Brown and played football. And so I have a lot of cousins. So it's been really nice to be here. I didn't go to Brown, but I've been here longer than all of them. So yep. it's been nice to have that support and have them engaged and to be in Rhode Island and be with my family and share this and uh, open their eyes up to other things other than football. <laughs> you know, it's it's so funny, though. I'm the same way. I went to Syracuse and I didn't go to Brown, but I've just been involved with Brown athletics for so long. It's become such a huge part of me and who I am. And I love it. Yeah. And everybody's everybody's like, oh, what are you going to do? And, you know, and I haven't been back to a game yet because I'm just, you know, taking taking the year to just breathe a little bit and relax. I did some field hockey fishing down, officiating down the Cape. There, there's a lack of officials. So I did some junior high games and I really liked it. And um, I was sitting on the bench waiting for the game to start. And, and I'm sitting there going, I'm at a junior high game in Nantucket. I took the boat over with the kids, got on the school bus and I've, it's evolved back to where I started on grass. So I'm going to do some more of that in the fall and I've been able, I went down to Penn State to watch a football game. I was out in Notre Dame. I'm going this weekend to watch one of my friends in the NCAAs down in Maryland. 
And this is stuff that I've loved to do and I've always had to follow it online and now I can do it. So I'm thrilled about that, but I'm, I'm paying attention. I know what's going on. Well, I know you still have a great relationship with so many current and former student athletes and coaches. And I think on behalf of all of them and everybody in athletic administration, thank you for your unbelievable years of service for Brown athletics for almost 40 years. Uh, you, you are synonymous with Brown athletics and thank you. Thank so. you, Scott. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you taking the time to do this and uh, best of everything for you going forward. Enjoy retirement. Karen. All right. Thanks Scott. You've been listening to the Brown Bears podcast on the Brown Bears Sports Network. For more information on Brown University Athletics, visit brownbears.com.